0: Welcome to Healthy Perspectives Podcast with Jeremiah, where we provide clinical perspectives on current social and cultural issues. And don't forget, you can subscribe at Podbean, Spotify, Apple, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe at any or all of them. You can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Getter, Twitter, and many other social media sites. Or you can email us at healthy perspectives with an s at protonmail.com. All right, welcome back. Thank you for joining us again. Hey, today we're going to address who you're gonna blame. I don't know why, but this morning when I was uh, when I was thinking about just stuff. Like my brain just does that. Um, the, the Ghostbusters theme song (laughs) was going in my brain and, uh, I happened to be looking at some stuff and noticing just how much blame is going around. And so, uh, I'm going to come at this a little bit different than maybe I have in the past. That's my hope at least. Um, and, and here's, here's what I'm going to start with. If you blame someone for your failures in order to remain congruent, consistent trustworthy, believable, you then have to blame somebody for your success. That's how it works. Otherwise, you become an unbelievable character. Your story, your plot line is inconsistent, incongruent. It doesn't flow. It doesn't make sense. So if you're going to blame somebody for your failure, then you have to turn around and blame somebody when you have success. Meaning you never get credit for a dang thing that you ever try in your entire life. That sucks. And that's not right. I'm not saying you can control a lot. The truth is there's more that we can't control than we can. But when you make efforts to live a consistent, congruent life, you should get credit for the successes that occur. That's what should happen. So what I've seen, these are things that I've seen. And I've seen these things recently in the past. I guarantee they're coming in the future. I've seen Democrats blaming Republicans and Republicans blaming Democrats. I had this notion today where I was just thinking, like, what would happen if instead of blaming one another, we were to take those two very powerful entities called the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, and work toward a common goal, we'd we'd be unstoppable. It would be incredible. Now, I'm not suggesting that we're going to agree on everything, but just imagine if we worked toward a common goal, something that matters, something that truly matters, instead of getting caught up in all of this drama. It would change everything. I also see countries blaming countries, As if another country can dictate our identity. Like, why would we give them that power? That's ridiculous. And vice versa. I love the fact that there's differences in cultures, in countries. Cities blaming suburbs, suburbs blaming cities. You know, the farmers blaming the cities. There's so much blame to go around. Students blaming teachers, teachers blaming students, athletes blaming coaches, coaches blaming athletes, media blaming media. I think this, this blame game that is going on is a disaster. It's a disaster because what we're doing in the process is getting distracted from what actually matters. And it's kind of terrible and by kind of, I mean a whole lot terrible. It's a vicious cycle. Vicious. Here's the reality. Whether you want to admit this or not, this is the reality. It seems easy to blame. So we do. It's, it's a lot easier than dealing with it, isn't it? So blame. It stops productivity. It stalls things. It just... Stops productivity right where it is. We cannot make progress relationally, in many cases politically, or as a, a world, as a country, as a city, when we're blaming people for what we cannot accomplish. Unite people and see what happens. It's a totally different outcome. The vicious cycle avoids responsibility. Responsibility. Right? It's, it's a way of never having to be wrong. You know what? You're wrong sometimes. Suck it up and deal with it. I have to. As a therapist, when I get things wrong, I'm risking harm to a client. I have to be really careful to try not to get things wrong. I'm constantly prefacing things with, hey, look, I make recommendations. If they don't fit, don't use them. That's prepping them for their decision. When it succeeds, when they get it right, it's their fault. When they get it wrong, it's their fault. Why? They come to me because they think I have some sort of expertise. And in some ways, yes, I do have some, some knowledge and experience that they could benefit from. But ultimately, nobody knows your life better than you. Why would I assume I know a client's life better than the client? That's silly. So I have to take responsibility. When I make a bad recommendation, I got to own it. It's the only way that a client is ever going to trust me. Did you hear that? Trust. When you own stuff, people do trust you. Now, if you own it and you don't make a change or a shift, you didn't really own it. So keep that in mind. It destroys friendships. This whole vicious cycle destroys them. Friends fall apart. Families fall apart. Businesses fall apart. Cultures fall apart. Nations fall apart. Groups of any kind can fall apart when we get into this vicious cycle of blame, 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 blame. In the short term, it looks like it might work sometimes. When we all blame one thing, then we can unite to go after that one thing, right? But why does there have to be some sort of enemy? Why can't there be some sort of productivity? Why can't we achieve some more abstract things like love and kindness and respect? We could. We could. It's just easier to to, to find something to blame. Just like we started, it's easy to blame. It's hard to live a life of, of goodness just for the sake of, I don't know, trying to be good. That's a tough thing to do. So back in August, I, this is a little detour here. In, in August, I was, uh, doing this experiment with Twitter and those of you who've followed me for a little while, you, you probably heard that episode. I was pretty harsh and critical of Twitter. And, and truly, I stand behind what I said in the sense that I think Twitter is a really flawed platform, just like you know, when I, um, when I present myself, I'm a flawed person. Um, and so I'm not retracting anything here. What I'm saying is if I'm going to be tr- totally, completely honest with you, there are some things about that experience uh, that I needed to learn, uh, that, that this was a good reminder. If, if it wasn't a lesson to learn, it was a lesson to remind me of. One, Twitter is not the only game in town, right? I went hard after Twitter, but I have yet to find a platform that gets it all right, you know, like I look at these other platforms, and I'm like, oh, you know, okay, get her. Uh, you know, I look at Facebook. I, I mean, you name it. I've I've gone to them, and and the truth is, they all have their strengths and weaknesses. Much like people and businesses have their strengths and weaknesses, and cultures have their strengths and weaknesses. Um, what's important is it was a good reminder to me to acknowledge that. I have my own strengths and weaknesses, right? I, I I talked about a couple of those weaknesses in that Twitter uh, podcast that I did, and truthfully, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm not super proud of the, you know getting sucked in uh, temporarily. I'm glad it was temporary. I'm glad I had the wherewithal to back out and and reevaluate what is exactly is the message I want to put out there, as opposed to getting sucked into it consistently day after day after day. So my accountability is I got sucked in, right? Like I I needed to do better. Um, and you know, now I'm, I'm on these different platforms at different times. I, I limit my time cause that's a way for me to do better. And I'm pretty specific about what I'm trying to accomplish. When I start to find myself getting sucked in, I honestly, I just, I stop, I, I get off for a little while and I reevaluate just myself real quick. I just do a self-check of like, really, what is the message I want to send? Healthy perspectives. I want people I want people to view things from different angles so that they can make more informed decisions. So if I go in there and I just uh, bash a view, I'm no better than anybody else there, and not that I'm trying to be better than anybody, but it's not going to help the conversation. right? So getting people to pause and to go, yeah, what if there's a different view? like that's a better effort for me. So that's what I normally attempt to do. Number two, I can channel my energy where I decide to channel my energy. So if I want to channel it to Twitter, I can do it to Twitter. If I want to channel it to Facebook, great. If I want to do it to LinkedIn, which for me has been a a much more um, uh, appropriate site for what I'm trying to do most of the time. But that's that's me making a conscious choice to go where I think um, my message is willing to be heard. Cause if they're not willing to hear it on Twitter, like why am I wasting my time? Right? So I got to channel my energy. Cause I have just like you, a limited uh, a you know, time, energy and resources. I just have limited time, energy and resources just like you. So where I put it matters. And I can choose to be loving in my interactions. I don't have to choose to be combative just because I enter a combative conversation. I just don't. I can be different and that's okay. Number three, my decrease in activity on their platform, whatever platform I decide to decrease on, that's my best weapon. They want my time, energy, and resources. They want your time, energy, and resources. When I put down social media and I go uh, you know, play soccer with my kid, that is me telling them they are not as important as they think they are to me. My kid is more important. When I go to the bank instead of uh, you know, do an online thing with the bank, I'm telling them that the tellers matter to me. The people working there make a difference in my day. So I could stop, put my phone down, and go for a walk, and bump into whoever I bump into on the sidewalk. might change a day. My own, definitely. But somebody else's too, possibly. Just because I put it down, which is my biggest weapon. Number four, most importantly, probably, I refuse to lose myself to gain popularity. I could go in there and look, I, I have the skill set. I know I have this skill set. I have zero doubt I have the skill set to go in there and be aggressive and over the top and get all kinds of attention. I could do that. And the result of this decision that I refuse to lose myself to gain popularity means that i just may have a smaller audience. That's just what it means. And I'm okay with that because what I think is, is reality is my audience will be the right audience for me. They're going to be people who are loyal to, you know, doing things um, as best they can, as opposed to looking for the fast way f- to popularity. I could choose that, but uh, why would I lose myself just to get popular? I don't know. It's, I know a lot of people do it and I'm not, I'm not criticizing them in particular. What I'm saying is that that's not right for me. That's not right for me. That's not the life I want to be remembered for. So I won't do it like it or not. The parallel economy is a wise response to things like Twitter and Facebook and anybody like all these these different uh, groups out there that are, you know, preventing others from talking. It's a great idea. Now, I don't know if it'll take, you know, I, I, and, and I, also, I, I don't know that they're going to be any better. They're going to have their own flaws. But it does create other reasonable options. And what do we need when we go to a place and they become unreasonable? An alternative. And that's what it's done. So whether you like it or don't like it, and I'm not sure whether I like it or not, to be honest. Uh, it's, it's wise in response. Because when you have a dysfunction, it's nice to see that people are stepping up and saying, we're going to try to do it different and see if we can do it better great. I mean, I would love for us to find ways to grow and get better. That's a wonderful thing. And the competition is going to help that as long as it's healthy, reasonable, ethical, legal competition. So what should you do? Look, we're talking about who you're going to blame, right? What should you do? Let me tell you, there's three options, really. You can do nothing. Nothing is an option. You can keep things exactly how they are right now. That's an option. And you can just keep blaming at the same rate that you blame today and likely very little will change. A second option would be you can increase the amount of blaming to prove that you're right. Go for it. By all means, you're welcome to try that. And that would make you the squeaky wheel. Eventually, either you're going to get the attention that you want or you're going to find out that the attention that you're getting is not the attention that you want. And that's more likely going to be the case. Because let's be real. When when you're around somebody who's negative over and over and over and over and over and over. And I did that on purpose just for you guys. When you're around that, it drives people nuts. And they eventually create space. Why? Because that's the most reasonable response to negativity. It's base, time out from it, take a break from it. So if you're that person, you're going to ebb and flow into and out of, into and out of, because people are going to get tired of you. That's just the way it's going to be. Or you could stop blaming. This would require real accountability. Real accountability, meaning your own accountability. When somebody else holds you accountable, it only becomes true accountability when you accept that you need to be accountable. And if you're accountable, I got to tell you, I am proud of you because that is the hard path, but clearly the right path. My recommendation to every client when I work with clients is this, own your part. Own your part. If you know somebody gets hurt because of something that you have done, whether what you did was right or wrong if somebody gets hurt from what you have done, you can legitimately, sincerely apologize for hurting them. Because why? Did you want to hurt them? I hope not. Because that would definitely not necessarily make it the right path. If they were the, the byproduct of doing something right on your part, ended up with the result of them being hurt, and you either saw it coming or didn't see it coming, you can still apologize and own your part in it. Hey, I'm, I'm sorry that that situation hurt you. It was not my intent to hurt you. And you can mean every single word of it. Don't own their part. Please do not own their part. Do not take away the opportunity For them to own their stuff. If you try to take their part from them, you are doing them a disservice. You have to live with your ownership. And they have to live with theirs. So own your part. Do it as authentically as you possibly can. And allow them the opportunity to own their part if and when they're ready. If they're not ready and their, their life keeps interfering with yours, it's time to create some space. That's it. The same is true. Like I know a lot of you out there, you have jobs where people interfere with your ability to be productive. If you own your part, you may encourage them to own their part. And if both of those things happen, then you're in a place where you can grow and get better. If you own your part and they are unwilling to own their part, whether it's your boss or your employees or whatever, then you probably need to get into a new line of business because it's not going to work until people around you and you are willing to own your part. So that's what I recommend to clients. And that means that's what I need to recommend to you. Look, look at yourself. Look at what you can own and own it. Don't own more than you should. Just own your stuff. Do it authentically. And let's see how much we can change the conversation when it happens. You'll be surprised how many people let their guard down as soon as they realize that it's safe to be flawed, to make mistakes. It's surprisingly a uh, confident building. To know that mistakes are not going to be attacked and you're not going to be lit on fire for it because that would be a terrible response to somebody owning their stuff. And yes, I know that that does happen, but if that happens, that's just a clear sign. It's time to separate from where, whoever or wherever you are, right? It's You're not running away from it. What you're doing is saying, yeah, no, I don't need to tolerate that. I'm going to own my stuff. I'm going to continue my growth. I'm just not going to do it with you because you're mean and cruel and it's okay. It's okay for me to move on. I don't have to do that with any spite or vindictiveness. I just be like, you know, I'm not really interested in being here. The environment is unhealthy until there's a a change and a real accountability comes in. I'm just going to go elsewhere. Thanks. And it's pretty much, I know that doesn't seem simple because people get tied down by things like money, but. It's really that simple because truthfully, if you're growing and you're getting better, you're going to find some better situation. It's going to happen. Okay. I hope I gave you enough to chew on for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great day. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Please take a look at our website at www.healthyperspectives with a dash in between the healthy and the perspectives, make sure there's an S at the end.com. So again, www.healthy-perspectives with an S.com.